Hello, podcast listeners. This is Perry Ditch, the music education coordinator at Fuller's Music, welcoming you to episode three of the Fuller's Music podcast. In this episode, our music education representative, Mr. Grayson Woodcock, will be interviewing and discussing choosing your musical selections for orchestra, music performance, adjudication, or MPA. In other states, MPA has been known as festival or competition, but in North Carolina, we call it MPA. Mr. Woodcock will be interviewing a master teacher, Jolie Brooks, from Jacksonville High School, whose ensembles have received numerous superior ratings and recognition throughout our state. We hope this episode will bring value to you as you prepare your ensembles for MPA. Enjoy. Thanks, Perry, and just want to welcome everybody to this episode of the Fuller's Music Podcast. We're here today to do the other side of our Choosing Music for MPA podcast that we did earlier. And so our first podcast for that topic was in the band world, and now we're here on the, uh, we're come, we've come full circle to the orchestra world, and so I have Miss Jolie Brooks here today to help us uh, broach that topic. You know, would you uh, give us some information about you know, your program and your experience. Sure. Um, this is my 40, 34th year teaching. Um, I really love my job. Um, at Jacksonville High School, uh, we have two orchestras. We have a stringed orchestra uh, that is, uh, that's the orchestra that all of our freshmen are in. And then we have um, our uh, uh, less advanced upperclassmen are also in that orchestra. And then we have the chamber orchestra, which uh, is an audition group. Uh, grades 10 through 12. Um, the stringed orchestra goes to uh, MPA usually in grade 4 and the chamber orchestra goes in grade 6. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also taught in middle school to MPA then I even took my 6th graders which most people won't do mm-hmm. um, but had great experiences with them there also. I think that MPA is just a, a great motivator for the kids. They will work their hearts out for those judges. Um, and it's one of the, um, the best learning experiences that we do all year, I think. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so happy to have you here. Thank you. And um, I just want to kind of jump into it and, and start the conversation with um, just a question about what are some of the first steps you should take? Like when, when should we start thinking about what music we're going to play um, what are some of what, what should we be thinking about as far as our ensembles? What are some of the first steps towards choosing music? Well, I really think that when you get ready to choose music, I think that it's really important to to know in your heart why you're going to MPA. It is wonderful to get a superior. If I get one, I'm going to hang that plaque on my wall, and I <laughs> right. have several. Um, hmm. But getting a superior is not why we go to MPA for our group. Um, I can see being in a program where getting a superior would be one of the most important things for you to accomplish at MPA. Maybe you're in a program where you need the kind of support from your administrators and your community that only a plaque will will provide. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, the superior is wonderful and the plaque is wonderful, but we go to learn. And I preach that to my kids. Why do we go to MPA? And they say, we go to learn. Um, And so I think that knowing why you're going to MPA is super important. Um, I always stress to the kids that 
we're going to get comments from the judges. So we need to do everything that we can, that we know to do, so that the comments from them are things that we don't know to do. Hmm. So that uh, really helps to, to the kids to focus in on every detail um, so that they're getting um, the most out of instruction and they're pushing themselves right. um, to, do, to do more and do better. Um, when you're selecting music for MPA with a focus on learning, um, I think it's really important to know your group. Um, I am right. sure that I'm going to pick grade four music and grade six music for my two groups this year. Mm -hmm. But every piece of grade four music will not be right for that, for my string orchestra. Exactly. Um, and that's something I actually kind of had to learn the hard way because I really did think as a younger teacher, oh, this group, I was, in, I was teaching middle school at the time, and I thought, well, if they mm -hmm. can play grade three, then they can play, play, you know, whatever piece it was I picked. And I picked something that was too hard and right. didn't do too well that year, and that's okay. Um, but I think it's really important to know your group. If your cellos aren't the strongest group in your orchestra, then maybe you shouldn't pick uh, Fantasia on a 17th century tune by Richard Stephen uh, as a grade four piece to do because you've got to have a good cello section for that. Mm -hmm. um, if the only section that you've got that's strong is your violins, you know, then maybe you need to pick a first violin feature piece. Um, right. So it's really important uh, to do that. Uh, my grade six group can play a couple of the movements of the Tchaikovsky Serenade for Strings, but they certainly cannot play all of it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to be very realistic uh, about how to uh, motivate your kids and help them to stretch themselves, but also help them to do something that is doable in a really quality way. So it's and it sounds like it's it's mainly the responsibility of the of the teacher to evaluate the music that's out there and, and find what fits the group the most. Right, and the places that we can look for for ideas about music, um, for us we look at our state uh, uh, MPA music list. Um, North Carolina used to use the Virginia list mm -hmm. uh, and probably about 10 years, <clears throat> probably about 10 years ago um, we start. We decided to form our own list, and we did use the Virginia list as a basis for it. Mm -hmm. But then we meet every year during uh, our state conference and uh, review pieces and add to it. So we have a, an actual MPA committee yeah, you have a now system. that does that. We do mm -hmm. have a system, and it's posted on our website. Um, so that's a great resource to look at because you have to choose pieces from there. Um, mm -hmm. Another place to look is to look at. Um, the MPA schedule that's sent out by the uh, coordinators every year. Uh, if it's like ours, it will have the school and the director listed, and then it will have the pieces that they're playing Their listed program. on the yes on the schedule. So that gives you an idea of what what are people playing that they're finding success with, and, and usually there are some pieces that might be done three or four times during MPA week, you know, by different groups. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe those are good pieces to look at to build your library around. Right. And you could probably find a school that's close to your demographic or, you know, what what's what's relatively similar to your area and, and the kind of students you might have to, to kind of 
Right, I agree with that. Um, certainly some of the schools in Wilmington and in Fayetteville particularly uh, have a demographic that's similar to ours as far as the numbers of students that take private lessons and the when they start orchestra in school and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And when we see uh, other directors at our state events and at student events and such, that's a great time to to kind of talk MPA, and of course we've got a Facebook page uh, too, so where would we be without Facebook? Right, that's yeah. That's always a great resource for um, chatting with others and finding out what they're doing. Yeah, so. and I think it's important to to reach out to other directors, even if it's via social media. You know, Facebook groups is one way to do it. There's right. a there's a, a, a big focus on community for, of, of educators in that area, mm -hmm. and so I think that's a great resource. Um, so we've got some good resources that we've talked about where you can choose your music from. What do you feel like is um, for maybe an early, early in their career teacher? What are some of the mistakes that they make when they they've picked this piece of music and they think it's it's going to fit their ensemble and they prepare it for MPA and then they go and it doesn't turn out the way they thought it would. What are some of those mistakes you can talk about? Well, I will say this. MPA is a learning experience for everybody, yeah. not just for the students, but also for the teacher. When I first started teaching, I was in a county that didn't value MPA, and we did not go. And then I moved uh, after five or six years to a different county, and, and most people went to MPA. And when I first started going, I couldn't understand why my kids were, were not getting superiors. Um, and uh, it took me a few years to, to figure out that there was more to what I was teaching them than the notes and the rhythms that I also had to do phrasing and dynamics and, and that sort of thing, even with sixth graders. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think, I think it would have taken me a lot longer to have put the focus on musicianship with students had I not been going to MPA and learning from that mm -hmm. um, as well and trying to push myself to teach the kids as much as possible and it, it made me expect a lot more from the students. Having said that, I, I did, I have gotten a three at MPA and I'm not really ashamed to admit that. Mm -hmm. um, early in my career, one of the first years that I went, I chose music that was too difficult for the students right. and, uh, and it wasn't their fault. It not knowing it at the time. At not realizing it at the time, yeah. I thought they could do it. Um, and it wasn't their fault, it was my fault. And that's okay because I learned something you know, from that as well. I, you know, I learned that you can get a bad grade at MPA and still you know, have a job and a career. <laughs> right. uh, and here I, here I am you know, all, all these years later. Um, uh, I think sometimes we, uh, I do see people sometimes play it a little too safe. Um, you know, so it, there's value to taking risk. This is a risk for the students, and we, we don't want to build our career you know, on their backs as far as you know, risking too much. We want them to feel safe. But also, we want to encourage them and push them hard enough so that there is some risk involved also. Right. Um, so I think there is a school of thought out there that people will do a sure thing for MPA, They'll start working on it in October or November when the MPA event is not till March. Um, and, you know, there's some people I have heard that will do a very, very limited number of MPA, you know, pieces with their students. Um, I'm certainly one that repeats pieces, uh, you know, after I've done them for several, haven't done them for several years, I may go back and do another piece again. There is certainly value to that because I know the piece very well. Sure. I know, really know how to teach that piece. Um, but I kind of think if students can't do it in four or five weeks, it's probably too hard for them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, 
My, our MPA is in March, and this is the third week in January, and I have not picked out my music yet. And some people are really horrified by that very thought. But I probably won't pick it out, you know, for another week or two. Once the kids come back tomorrow, we'll start doing some sight reading. I'll have a big stack of music to look through and sight read. And I think it's important for the kids to feel like the music connects with them as mm -hmm. well. So, so I do listen to their input. I do have... Um, veto power on you know on all of that but i'm able to give them enough input so that they kind of feel like they're picking the music even though i'm you know sure. providing some guidance as well so i think it's you have to find the right balance between uh you know risk and security right when you're picking pieces and working with students okay so you find that you know um you're you're going to select you know what your ensemble strengths and weaknesses right. are so you um, gather up as many pieces as you have in your library, and then um, your your groups will sight read them. Do you kind of get a feeling during those sight reading sessions which pieces are going to kind of probably be good options to take? I do. Usually what we end up with, now with the younger group, I do more of the decision making. Um, so they don't get as much input because they're not as experienced. With the older group, they appreciate and value that experience, and it makes helps them to buy into the, the piece mm -hmm. more. Um, so usually what we do is we end up with maybe as many as six pieces that will work. Um, we, we play two pieces. We can play three, but I don't because mm -hmm. that just gives us more to prepare. Right. And so, um, you know, that goes back again to you know, being able to, to get a high grade is a nice it's a nice thing. It's a good pat on the back for the kids. So I don't do three pieces, and I don't do a piece that's higher than the grade level we're going in. Like for my younger group, I would, I'm going to do two four, grade four pieces. I'm not going to do one grade four and one grade five mm -hmm. because uh, we don't recognize split grades on this side of the state, and that would mean that they would get credit for a grade four while also playing a grade five, five piece. Yeah. So that to me is... Uh, doing extra work for not not for reward. Not much of a return. Not, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so with my older students, we'll probably end up with uh, about six pieces. And then I teach them how to choose a program. We go through and we say, you know, these pieces are romantic, these pieces are classical, this is a 20th century piece. And we talk about this piece is slow and this piece is fast. Or, you know, we talk about how do you balance... Um, how do you pick a balanced program? Right. Um, so if you pick, um, you know, a movement from Anaconda-Nock music, um, you're not going to go back probably then to and pick a Mendelssohn Symphonia. Mendelssohn is is romantic, but mm. the the Symphonia were written in a classical style. So right. you need a contrasting style. So if you pick, um, you know, one slow piece, you're, you're not going to pick a second slow piece. Probably one slow and one fast and from two contrasting um, eras. Something else that I, I really like to do, uh, especially if I'm doing a war horse like, you know, Anaconda Not Music, mm -hmm. is to choose a piece that all the judges don't know. Oh, okay. Um, like the Whole Singer Winter Dances is a grade six piece, mm -hmm. and it's crazy hard. Um, but not that many judges know it, so it, it provides kind of a nice contrast to a piece, you know, like the Middle Symphony or Anaconda Not Music or the... Um, St. Paul's Sweet La Holst, mm -hmm. because everybody knows those and has a, an opinion also about how they should be played, which you know can be good and bad as well. Yeah, I, and I was gonna, I was, I was thinking about that as we were talking. You know, and, and 
me being a former band director, and I, I realized now that uh, um, there were some pieces that were that were on the list, right. but you it's like you don't tread on those on those lands. Is, right. is it the same kind of situation in our um, orchestra? Barbara uh, Adagio for strings is one of those pieces. <laughs> Having said should that, should have known I, that, right? Well, yeah. Well, it's one of those that some people feel like you just shouldn't play mm. at MPA because they don't think students are mature enough to play it and, mm. and do a good job musically. That makes a lot of sense. I have actually done that piece before, and and we did really well. But uh, my particular group tends to be really strong musically. They may not be able to play the fastest, you know, highest, uh, technically uh, fanciest piece out there, but they can they can turn a phrase. So, That's uh, great. So it did turn out to be a good piece for us, uh, for the right group at the right time. It's not right for every group every year. Certainly. Right, right. But yes, there are some that you just kind of stay away from because they're, they're uh, again, risk and reward you have to balance. Right, so a young teacher should consult the veteran in their Absolutely. area. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And look at what the students have done before. Mm -hmm. um, if they've gone to MPA. Yeah, and I really think that a conversation uh, with uh, a seasoned teacher about what are some that, that are, you know, are, are reliable pieces to prepare that the kids like, that they're going to sound good playing, that's not going to be too much for them. Uh, someone who's been to MPA you know, for several years can have that conversation, and that's a valuable conversation to have, absolutely. Right. Awesome. Um, so we've talked about a, a few different topics, but I wanted to see if we can kind of wrap it up. Do you have any interesting story regarding an MPA experience that you can share that might be useful to a director? Um, I just think it's such a great learning experience, that, like I said before, for the teacher and for the students. I will tell you that one of my um, greatest experiences, I think, at MPA, um, this was... Uh, 20 years ago, uh, in um, 2002, uh, so it was the spring after 9-11 had happened. Mm, right. And we were playing, uh, I had a fairly young group then, but, but really talented, but young group in my advanced group. They were, they were many sophomores and juniors, not too many seniors. Mm -hmm. And one of the pieces that we played that year was the Elegy from the Tchaikovsky Serenade for Strings. And you know we were we were at war, and it was in the news, and and there was a lot of uncertainty living in Jacksonville, North Carolina, in a military town. Military town, yeah. And right before we went on on stage, I don't remember what was in the news then, but something had happened, uh, and it kind of scared everybody. This mm. would have been in March of that year, and I just I don't remember what the news item was, but I remember turning to the kids and talking about. Um, you know, reminding them what an elegy was and what it meant and, and talking to them about um, playing from their heart and feeling what the music was intended to feel. The purpose of uh, it. The purpose of it, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, those kids, I th they looked at me. I can still remember how they looked, you know. Almost tears in their eyes. And they went out and they played the socks off that piece uh, and played it with... Uh, more emotion and just uh, they were just on the edge of their seats uh, all together uh, with the intensity of what they were doing right and uh, I think that uh, that was that's one of the MPAs with all of you know I've been teaching 34 years so they all run together except this one right this one does not uh, and, it, and it was a really significant 
musical experience for me that I've never forgotten. I've forgotten some of the details, but I've never forgotten the way those kids looked. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's I think it's important for us for us as educators not to get too tied up in the process of teaching this music and remember that we're still working with young people right. and and you know our our goal should be to enrich them but also to provide meaning as right. far as what they do Absolutely. and uh, I've had a couple of a, a couple of uh, opportunities to do that in my right. in my short time and I think one other thing that's really important is that this can never be about us as the directors this is not about another feather in our cap yeah if that plaque goes on the wall that plaque belongs to the kids mm -hmm. that's not yours and mine the ego has no place it does not and what I always tell the kids, I always tell them this before they go out on stage, you have worked hard, you have gotten every ounce of learning out of this music that I hope that you would get, you have done everything that you can do. Now from this point on, you go out there and you just play the socks off this and you enjoy being musical and you live in the moment for this mm -hmm. because no matter what you got, you get from the judges, uh, I know what you've done. Right. And I know what you've accomplished, and and I am proud of you. And getting a superior or not getting a superior is not going to change any of that. Yes. Because what you don't want to do is make it all about that. Right. It's got to be all about the intensity of the experience and their growth and not about the... The result. Know, not about the result. They can never come off that stage feeling like they've let you down. Right. They can never do that. If you've got a, a group that works hard and does everything that they can do... They, they never need to come off the stage feeling like they're letting you down. What a great thing to say. Well, um, I feel like we've done about as much as we can, and I originally just would like to thank you for your time. You're welcome. This and, has been uh, fun. Thank yeah. you. And at Fuller's, you know, Fuller's Music, we're, we're um, committed to providing a resource for, for our music teachers here and beyond, and just hope that this, everything that you've said today that we've talked about will kind of enrich everybody's... Um, experience in choosing music for MPA and, and preparing for that kind of event. Well, thank so. you. I hope it's helpful. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Perry Ditch again. We hope this episode brought you value and provided you with knowledge you can refer back to in the future. If you're in New Bern, North Carolina, come by and check out our store on Trent Road or online at www.fullersmusic.com. We are here to serve you with any of your music needs.